Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Hello, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Let us reset. You can listen to us live streaming over the Internet. LarryKudlowShow.com. LarryKudlowShow.com. Real simple. And um, runs all across the country, around the world, throughout the solar system and the Milky Way. And let me just add, during the week... On uh, Fox Business Network, the name of the show is Cudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. Every day, 4 to 5 p.m. If you can't make it at 4, just text message your favorite nine-year-old who will teach you how to DVR the show. It's not hard. Anyway, we're going to do some stock market work and other things. My dear friend, David Bonson, founder and managing partner of the Bonson Group, author of There is No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths. And he's got a no free lunch video series, a six part series in defense of free markets. Jerry, you got more. First of all, we got open field running. It's just you and me. No, none of my regulars want to work today. None. None of them. All right. The dignity of work. Maybe they're getting too many government benefits. Nobody wanted to work. It's just you and me. Um, thought you'd have a comment on that. Well, you know, I think some people do use their Saturdays for something different than you and I do, but that's that's all right. There's a, a Bible verse about six days we shall work and do all our labors. So right. I'll stick to it. I always work six days. I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Um, so in defense of free markets, um, I didn't hear much of a defense of free markets from our president and the State of the Union. I did hear it from uh, Sarah Sanders. Jerry, but I didn't hear it from Biden. I mean, I've never heard a better example. I had Newt Gingrich on at the top of the show a couple hours ago. Um, this was big government socialism, more spending, more taxing, more regulating. Uh, he gave the oil industry 10 years to live. It's like dead man walking in his view. I mean, but but the interesting thing was I don't think the stock market had any particular reaction. I don't think they cared one whit about what he was saying. What, what do you think? No, I mean, the stock market doesn't generally respond to political uh, events like that there, because it's not new news, okay? The fact that the Democratic Party has a message for working-class people that is not rooted in markets, that is not rooted in the dignity of work. Their message for blue-collar workers is not Jack Kemp's message. Mm -hmm. It's not about virtuous capitalism. It's essentially one of grievance, class struggle, class envy. It it is more Marxian in terms of its philosophy. Mm And, and I think a message that does say to blue-collar workers, we want better prosperity for you, we want better opportunity, but it's going to come from more incentives to work, keeping more of what you earn, a better energy policy, less regulation, more entrepreneurialism. 
See, the, the, that's where I just think this is the big need of the day. And frankly, Larry, sometimes people on the right are messing it up, too. Let's talk to blue-collar, middle-class workers and talk to them about the virtue of work, about dignity that mm-hmm. comes from open markets. Mm-hmm. He wants to go after Let's get those rich people. Let's tax them. I mean, let's go after the stock market. We got to tax uh, share buybacks as though that's a big. Let's go after corporations. We got to tax them. I have minimum tax. Let's, I like the rich people, Jerry, because the, the 2020 IRS numbers came out and the top 1% is paying 42% of all the taxes. And the bottom 50%, Jerry, is, um, I mean, Jerry, David, is um, paying like 2.5%. And so Biden says that's unfair. The rich have to pay their fair share. What does fair share mean? I mean, it's just it's a socialist concept. You, I, don't, I don't want them to have money. I want to redistribute all the money through a million government spending programs. I mean, I found that quite remarkable. Well, and that's the reason why, even if I were a, a progressive, that I would be underwhelmed by the speech because this is very tired rhetoric that they have to know is not going anywhere Politically, and this is what I think is one of the great legacies of the work you all did out of the Reagan revolution, the supply side movement, the sort of it wasn't merely the policy. It wasn't merely a couple great tax cut bills in 1982, 1986. The entire American ethos around taxes has been reprogrammed. Mm. And so a president can go give a speech like that. But it's fantasy Mm. because you cannot raise taxes on wage earners and, and, and even good wage earners easily in this country. People understand it takes away quality of life for all income brackets. And and so, they, you, look, there's some rhetoric that can sound good, but the wealth tax isn't going anywhere. High taxes on investment isn't going anywhere. And and so, the, you know, the, the posturing and the speeches were really, I don't know, it was kind of old. And, and I think they need a better message if they're going to re-attract um, the blue-collar uh, middle-class workers that they've lost out of the Democratic Party. They've really become a party for coastal, progressive cultural liberal elites. David, have you interviewed in your podcast series uh, Kevin Hassett? I I have a couple of times, as a matter of fact. And yeah, Kevin's always a a treat to have on. He's a brilliant guy. So the thought I had here is here's Biden railing against corporations that don't pay their fair share, quote unquote. Um, It was Kevin Hassett uh, more or less 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, who was writing when he was at the American Enterprise Institute, AI, that uh, if you raise taxes on corporations, that 70% of the higher burden is borne by middle-class workers. And that was laughed at for a while in the economics profession. It was like roughly the breakdown was 70% paid it, you know, fewer profits, lower wages, less employment. Um, And then the rest of it, David, was um, investors, shareholders, and consumers who would pay higher prices as a result of the higher taxes. But then over time, a bunch of very distinguished uh, uh, economists began to look at that work 
and said, yeah, you know what? I don't know if the number is exactly 70 percent. It might be 50 percent. But, yes, the burden would be paid by the blue-collar worker or the middle-income you know, the middle income worker and, and to some extent the lower-middle-income worker as well. And, David, that, that was the basis of the centerpiece of Trump's plan to cut corporate taxes. And if you look at the results, it was, in fact, the biggest beneficiaries, the ones who had the biggest increase in real wages were, in fact – the um, middle class workers it wasn't the upper end. The upper end benefited, but not as much as the middle or the lower middle. You know, and this is what Biden and uh, and uh, socialists don't understand. And isn't that what we're seeing now? Like, won't it be incredibly ironic? I know a lot of people on the right want me to say we're about to go into the deepest recession ever and all of this stuff that Biden's done is going to destroy the economy. And I still think a recession is a very likely scenario. But I will say this. If it doesn't happen, it's going to be because of the Trump tax cut. Right. It's still there. Because they're still there. Yes, yes, yes. And and post-COVID, we're right now post-COVID. Okay, we're sort of getting past the anomalies of what took place during COVID and then in the COVID recovery. And that and those both of those eras were were idiosyncratic. They're not normal. Now you get back to normal situation and you see wage growth in lower and middle income brackets, far outpacing higher wages. And where there is unemployment, which there isn't much, but where there are layoffs, it's at the higher end of the spectrum The Trump tax cuts of 2017 and 18 might save Biden's bacon in 2023. I think it's incredibly ironic. Yeah, it's still working. They're still there. They're still working exactly right. And they and they wanted to reverse all of them. They wanted to raise that rate, the top rate from 21 to 28 or more. And um, yeah, actually, now, by the way, Larry, Larry we, in fairness, they wanted it back to 35. The well, only reason twenty the only reason twenty eight was in the bill is that they thought they could get Mansion to twenty eight, but they wanted thirty five. And actually, by the way, it was Kirsten Cinema who saved us from that. She was yeah. the she was a Mansion would have voted for twenty eight. You're exactly right. The other thing, Jerry, is um, why am I calling you Jerry? It's the weirdest thing. The other thing, David, is that um, the depreciation bonus, the immediate expensing, which is really important. Um, that's running down. Like this year, we get only 80%, not 100%. And then next year it goes to 60. Um, you know, that's a problem. And stuff like the R&D tax credit, which was 100%, um, you know, they took that out of the – I mean, there's about $125 billion worth of corporate taxes in that stupid inflation, so-called inflation reduction bill. Yeah, so the the brilliance of what the the corporate tax cut work that you all did was is it eliminated a lot of deductions and loopholes and mm-hmm. and cutesy little things. But one of the credits it left in was R and D and and instant expensing. And and to me, this is just black and white, back of napkin kind of Steve Forbes like tax planning, right? Just if you spend money, you it's not you don't have profits, and so. So if cash comes in, cash goes out, and what's left is what you're taxed on. And that doesn't seem very complicated. And and so the instant expensing of CapEx is a motivator for investment into factories, into inventory, into just productive economic activity. 
And if there's anything anyone can agree with, whether they're neo-Keynesian or supply side, it's that we need greater productivity and growth if we're going to kind of get through these times. And I don't understand for the life of me why that wouldn't be bipartisan to hold the bonus depreciation, to hold that instant expensing. There's not loopholes around it. We're talking about CapEx. It's a very straightforward tax deduction. Mm. It's because they want to tax rich people. They want to go after successful people. And nothing, no factoids, David, nothing will stand in the way of that. It's pure ideology. And it's a pity, too. I mean, everything he said was pro-inflation and anti-growth for over an hour, 70 minutes worth of garbage. Uh, but then we had Sarah uh, Sanders there to knock him down. Anyway, folks, yeah, we're Sarah, ta- did, Sarah did a good job. Sarah did a good job. Fabulous. Just fabulous. We're talking to David Bonson. He's the founder and managing partner of the Bonson Group. Uh, and his book is There's No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths. We're going to come back and actually talk about the stock market which actually is not doing too badly. I'm Larry Kudlow. We'll be right back. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're talking stocks, or we're going to talk stocks with David Bonson of the Bonson Group, and the author of There's No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths. So, David Bonson, I want to get your take on the stock market. It is interesting. You know, um, Ed Yardeni is, uh, he said it on our show the other night, but he's been writing about this. Uh, you may be in a new bull market. He said, I think he's pinpointing about the middle of last October was the bottom. Uh, And year to date, right, the um, NASDAQ is up 12 percent. The S&P 500 is up six and a half percent. The Dow a little less. Um, What do you make of that? Are we in a new bull market? Well, we're not in a new bull market yet because, I mean, just descriptively, you you have to kind of get back to where you were before. And and so um, I've never believed a bull market starts at the bottom. I think a bull market starts when it's recovered what had been lost in a bear market. But we are in a period where there's a big question as to whether or not October 12th, 2022 Mm. is going to prove to be that bottom or not. And if it does, it's going to go down a lot like the dot-com bear market where a bunch of overvalued tech got blown up, a bunch of crypto got blown up, a bunch of uh, COVID-era work-from-home type nonsense got blown up. But then the rest of the market, particularly energy and industrials and, and things like that, hung in there and did just fine. And I might add dividend stocks did just fine and value stocks did just fine. And so that's the question is, is the Fed going to break something or are they going to kind of get bailed out? And and like I said before the break, the corporate tax cuts had left us with a pretty fertile economic environment. We don't have the growth we need. We don't have the productivity we need. We don't have the labor participation force we need. 
And the yield curve is screaming that all of us trying to get a little optimistic, both me and Ed Yardini, are wrong. But there's a lot of data points in Ed's favor, too. And and it's very hard to imagine a recession at 3.4% unemployment. He says, um, I'm just using him as our baseline. He's a very smart guy. He's also a very nice guy. Um, Yes. He was saying there's no hard landing. There's no soft landing. There's no landing, (laughs) which I really like. There's no landing. Uh, And I like the rationale that you're using that the the growth, the only growth component in the entire galaxy of Biden's big government socialist policies is the Trump tax cuts, which he has failed. He's nicked that. He's nicked them a little bit, but not yet fundamentally. And I find that, first of all, very ironic. But second of all, good. I mean, right. I mean, I don't want to see a deep recession. Uh, it's not going to help the country. It's not going to make us more powerful globally or beat China. So it's very ironic. It's the Trump, which, you you know, Biden said it again at the State of the Union, uh, David. He said, right, I inherited uh, high inflation and a reeling economy. So the inflation rate was 1.4 percent and the economy in the first quarter of 2021 was six and a half percent, having grown at better than 20 percent in the second half of 2020. I mean, the guy's really a dummy, Biden. He just doesn't understand what's driving this. Well, I think that the reality is that nobody wants to talk about the longer term of what gets done out of these economic decisions. And so he can look at, oh, in this, the year I came in, this and this was happening, and he, and he distorts that data too, as you point out. And then we can talk about what ends up happening here. But this is the thing that supply-siders care about and that those of us who are patriots care about. The next 10 years, are mm-hmm. we all going to be con- – are we going to be content with 1.5% real right. GDP growth, right. 1% real GDP growth? At some point from all of these different uh, post crisis, post-financial crisis, presidencies and eras and policy regimes. Is anyone interested in three, four percent real GDP growth? Right. That to me is where the opportunity must come. If we are going to grow our way out of the debt, if we're to grow our way um, out of the debacle of, of stunted economic dynamic, you know, opportunity, we're going to have to see that growth come back. And that's where Biden doesn't even pretend he has a plan, isn't even addressing uh, that subject. And that's, uh, you know, I I have been saying this so much on the show, on the TV show. Uh, You know, we had three and a half percent growth for over 50 years after World War II. But in the last uh, several decades, it's dropped down to about one and a half. And the, C- the CBO, uh, whatever that's worth, is predicting another 10 years of 1.5% growth. And if we get that, that'll be three decades. That is just – that hurts us in so many ways, uh, you know, including things like budget spending and deficits and the big entitlement programs. So, I, you know, it's a very important theme. David, before we lose you, what, um, what's your advice on the stock market right now for our listeners? Well, I do think that people should be careful about getting rolled back in to uh, NASDAQ stocks or large cap growth stocks. They have had a nice little comeback here, but I mean, we're not even close to where they were. 
But these things didn't get cheap, Larry. They, they may have gotten cheaper than they were, but I wouldn't recommend jumping back into large cap growth at 25 or 30 times earnings. Mm. Um, and, I would, and the S&P is still sitting close to 18 times earnings. And, and that's, not, that's not counting on the possibility of profits dropping, mm. which you certainly would think they would if we have a recession. And so I think people need to be selective. You've had Nancy on with me before uh, uh, at Lapper's Group, and Nancy and I see a lot of this uh, the same way. Uh, we dividend stocks, mm. value, strong balance sheets, mm-hmm. companies growing free cash flow. And I think that there's spots in the economy where people have good pricing power. I love what uh, energy stocks are doing. I love mm. the fact that they, uh, you know, are, are continuing to hold up even oil in the 70s. All right. David Bonson, you're a prince. Thank you very, very much, folks. We're going to take a quick break and come back with some money and politics. we got Steve Moore and Liz Peak. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.